Hi Smooches! December continues with our recap of A Castle for Christmas, and Mr. Meg is back to chat about the Netflix film. Did this enemies to lovers tale get us all in our kilt feelings? Spoilers ahead! Hi Meg! Hi Liz! Hi Ben! Hi Liz! Ben is back. Uh, to continue our holiday recaps, we have talked about Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. Mm-hmm. We talked about the movie Love Hard. Yeah. About Single All the Way. My favorite. And now we're talking about A Castle for Christmas, starring Brooke Shields and Carrie... Elwes? 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 I was very unsure about the pronunciation, but... I think that's it. Okay, so we'll go with that. All right, so Meg, this one was toward the bottom of your ranking, right? Um, it was above. Um, love hard, love hard. Okay, and before I saw single all the way, it was it was at the top mm-hmm. because I actually thought it was decent, but still only by shitty Christmas movie standards and not mm-hmm. by like general good movie standards. How about you, Ben? I think that's a, a fair assessment. Uh, it was not knocking my pants off, uh, but it did make me feel <laughs> Meg's face. Like it just made me feel kind of nice, uh, which is fine. Like I, I wasn't, you <laughs> just know, fine. I knew I wasn't watching, you know, like Schindler's List or like an Academy Award winning movie. But it's, uh, it was fine. You know, I, I, I thought it, it kind of. You know, the beginning is sticking out in my mind. I was like, all right, let's just do what we have to do to get on location uh, in Scotland. So, um, yeah, it was it was a totally fine airplane movie for the holidays. A Castle for Christmas is kind of like if Under the Tuscan Sun had a baby with a Duke by default by Alyssa Cole. Yes, 100 percent. We have a grumpy Duke against his will kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we have a fish out of water American who comes in and changes things. And like under the Tuscan sun, there's someone who is traveling post-divorce mm-hmm. to try to find herself and ends up on a whim buying a property. But instead of a rundown Tuscan villa, it's a rundown Scottish castle. Mm-hmm. So our heroine is Brooke Shields. <laughs> Brooke Shields. Uh Sophie Brown. Sophie Brown. She is a best-selling author. She has written 12 books in 20 years in this series, which is not romance novel output. So yeah. I'm trying to figure out what genre she writes in. It kind of made me think of Janet Ivanovich's Stephanie Plum novels. The fact that it's a long running series with the same characters. Yeah. Or like a Sue Grafton thing. Hmm. So something like that. And it's unclear what the genre is, but there is a romantic element. And a murder. And a murder. And right now there is a big PR scandal because she killed off the male lead who everyone was in love with and there are like protesters in the street (laughs) over i i was trying to rack my brain for all the times that i remember uh people taking to the streets uh based on an author doing literally anything uh it's probably (laughs) world war ii era i don't know 
We, I think, talked about this when I talked about The Siren by Tiffany Rice, that I don't know that there are many celebrity authors who people would recognize. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know that uh, a Stephanie Meyer or an E.L. James, I'm only saying them because they're the, like, most phenomenon book writers I can think of. I mean, I would recognize Stephanie Meyer, but like your average person would not. Yeah. (laughs) And then when we think of someone who is prolific, like Nora Roberts, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to, I, she would blend in. I wouldn't recognize Nora Roberts. Um, Yeah. I mean, JK Rowling is like the only author that is like prominently coming to mind that I would. Who? (laughs) JK Rowling. Who? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah that's right we don't acknowledge that she exists on account of her being a terrible no, human um yeah let alone like her going overseas and they'd be like it's sophie brown mm-hmm. yeah, very dead on recognized internationally recognized author who is so famous that when she kills off a character it causes a big scandal and her publicist agent uh mm-hmm puppet master uh gets her an appearance on the drew barrymore show yeah and uh for someone so famous she has piss poor media training Mm -hmm. because uh we have probably my new favorite form of exposition which is exposition via public meltdown it's Mm. so good i enjoyed it a lot so (laughs) drew barrymore talks to her about this decision to kill off this character and then drew talks about how much she loved the character mm-hmm. and points out that sophie has had a rough go of it because she's gone through a messy divorce recently and is that maybe influencing her writing this death and she snaps she snaps and says well i could have i could have poisoned him i could have done this i could have done that i could have dragged it out for pages i could have had him dragged behind a car and then you realize okay maybe there is something there about how she was working out her personal frustrations on this character you might be onto something yeah uh i liked that i don't know if they're friends irl but i feel like she and drew have similar backstories where they were child actresses. Did you watch the the post credit scene? There was mm-hmm. like a bunch of bloopers with her that it, it felt like they were just like- Palling around. You know, riffing, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, the post credit scene shows, and I expected that I was going to end this way with her triumphant return, but mm-hmm. we, we will get there. So she's going back and forth with her agent and she's thinking maybe I should just like, unkill him off Mm -hmm. Uh, but in the meantime she decides you know what I'm just gonna go to Scotland where my family is from because I've always wanted to go I've always meant to go Mm -hmm. and she does and she goes to this little village called Dun Dunbar population 153 I believe the sign said Mm -hmm. and there she goes and stays at this inn that is run by a woman named Macy and Macy runs a knitting club and the knitters are it, immediately they adopt her in first they're like is that Sophie Brown and they're like no not in our little like podunk Scottish village mm-hmm. but it is Sophie Brown and Macy tells her 
can I just tell you? And then she's bracing herself for it. She's like, I'm so glad you killed Winston off. I honestly wish that you'd done it ages ago. So that is the first sign that she gets that, okay, not everyone in the world hates her. And some people understand what she was trying to do with that character. Mm -hmm. So she checks in and she wants to go check out this castle that her ancestor was a groundskeeper or his her ancestor was a groundskeeper and there was a descendant like the kid went into the house and wasn't supposed to go so she wants to check this out she wants to find this name carved into a door uh and then what happens meg and mr meg well we find out that the curmudgeonly maintenance man who was scraping the board out front of the house is actually the duke yes and he owns a castle and it is for sale because he's got all sorts of debt money troubles Mm -hmm. but for good heart of gold reasons Mm -hmm. good heart of gold reasons but we don't know those yet right now we just know that he's kind of an ass Mm -hmm. and he gives sophie a private tour and his name is miles right yes (laughs) (laughs) sure yes miles okay miles with a y (laughs) so he gives her the private tour and at one point he gets pulled away by thomas who is the tour guide groundskeeper all around runs this place only employee of the castle and there's a couple that is looking to have a wedding there so he runs off because you know revenue and she (laughs) money calls and she being the entitled rich bitch that she is goes past the velvet rope to the area of the castle that is not for public display Mm -hmm. and searches for this door to take a picture of the carving of mick g which is as far as the kid could get in spelling out McGinty before he was caught and the groundskeeper was subsequently fired. Sacked, as it were. Sacked, as it were. Uh, so Miles catches her where she's not supposed to be and kicks her out. And he says, that'll be 20 pounds for the tour. And she says, I thought that the tour was 10 pounds. And he's like, yeah, but you're a bitch. So you have to pay extra for being a bitch. And I think she kind of tries to say that she has family history in that house. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure your ancestor was Mary Queen of Scots, whatever. Fuck. Right, right. So she goes off. She finds out that the castle is for sale and she plans to buy it. And that's when she finds out that Miles is the Duke and that he owns the castle. What? And he sees her and he says, nope, not selling to her. Nope. He's also like repeatedly firing a shotgun into the air as they're having this conversation. Yes. Shooting skeets. Quite threatening. Right. It's still a fucking gun. Yeah. So, um, we have pride on both sides. Pride on both sides. And uh, she's swinging her big old money dick around. Mm -hmm. she's like you know i could buy and sell 10 of you mr fancy pants duke Mm -hmm. so he has a change of heart because he is told reminded how bad the financial situation is and he goes and finds her at the bar and says okay here's the deal 90 day escrow 
until Christmas. You have to live there. I am not moving out during that time. And you have to give me a big old non-refundable deposit. His plan is he is just going to annoy her into backing out of the deal and keeping the deposit so that it can get the castle through until spring. And she is no fool and knows that that's what he's doing. And he's just like, and she's just like, all right, I agree to your terms, mm-hmm. Rumi. <laughs> uh, so uh, we see her getting used to the castle and the fact that the top floors are not climate controlled at all because it's too expensive to heat. And it's not just for miserly reasons. We find out that Miles is an environmental engineer. Mm-hmm. And he is all about sustainability. They make most of their energy from wind. There's, you know, environmental stuff. I don't, <laughs> I don't fucking know. Environmental stuff. I mean, scary stuff. It's just there to show that he has layers and multitudes. Yes. Not just a fucking asshole. It's a very sustainable money pit. <laughs> He's, he's not like the other inbred uh, pale faces that <laughs> came long before him. Yeah. So uh, she is in this castle tr- wearing every single item of clothing that she owns because she is freezing to death. And the adorable dog, Hamish? Hamish? Hamish. Hamish. Hamish, who looks like my dog, but large and beige. Mm-hmm. So like her English cousin sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, comes to her door and she's like, what's wrong? Should we go get a cup of tea? And she goes off and the dog is leading her and the dog leads her right to Miles in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Take and, and he just looks at her and is like, well, while you're here, will you pour me another drink? And she's like, <laughs> rebel. I'm... <laughs> stupid dog (laughs) storms away the dog's like (laughs) netflix also loves an anthropomorphic pet and i do too i know you do (laughs) yeah we i guess we we sort of stumbled over their kind of meet cute which is hamish jumping onto her and her like turning around and like fumbling into falling into his arms arms, yeah so we went past that because i completely missed that oh yeah eric said he was like is that the same dog from earlier and i was like what dog earlier (laughs) so i don't know how i missed that i must have walked out of the room so so she's there and she's learning the ropes and like getting the hang of it and kind of like impressing Mr. Grumpy Puss and and making friends with the townsfolk and the other employees of the castle. Yeah, Thomas, the groundskeeper, she learned and tour guide. She learns the history, not perfectly, but she's clearly she cares. Yeah. So she's she's integrating quite nicely and having some moments of connection with Mm -hmm. Mr. Grumpy Puss and also trying to start unsuccessfully her next book and decide how mm-hmm. she's going to write that. Yeah. She wants to write the next book in the series and she's going back and forth over whether or not to bring Winston back from the dead or write another story. 
she finds out from the knitters that the reason why he needed to sell the castle was because he needs to be able to still pay for the farmlands because he is the reason that they all have places to live. Mm-hmm. He's basically bankrolling all the villagers continuing to live there in their ancestral homes. Mm-hmm. And the castle is a money pit, so he can't do both. One of the His previous relatives dude, left him a bunch of debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pissed away the money on whores as dukes are wont to do. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. On whores and opium. Another. <laughs> Another colonialism efforts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On whores opium and subjugating people of color, I am sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so she starts to warm up to him and she says to him, like, I, I found out some things about you and why you're selling the castle. And, you know, you're a really kind person. And he's like, mm, no, I'm not. <laughs> you're giving me confusing pants feelings and i don't like it yeah uh so and he continues to do increasingly nice things for her like getting her a dresser that he restored and presents to her with a like fucking floral bow on top that was not lost on me i'm like there's a full ass arrangement on top of dresser you're wheeling into the attic yes and every nice thing he does, he's like, well, I'm not doing it for you. His plan to annoy her out of the castle is not going well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's this great part where they go and walk the grounds and go to this well. And he tells her the story about the first duchess and how there had been a war and she armored up and went into battle and that's where she fell in love with someone she fought alongside who was a commoner and they got married on christmas eve and that uh she had left town yeah and she had left a necklace by the well was sort of an offering to try to give her courage to go into battle and this inspires sophie and she starts thinking maybe i'm going to write about a warrior duchess And that's where I want to go next instead of writing another one of these books that I've written for years. Mm -hmm. What did you think of all the covers, by the way? Uh, Why is she on them? (laughs) Danielle Steele Steele doesn't have her face on her fucking covers. No, no. I, I was very confused by that. Like, it would make sense if maybe they looked like her. Yeah, yeah. A little bit but mm, did not love that and again like i have no idea what these books are even about yeah, it, it almost seemed like it was like uh, uh a written version of like a soap opera that's how i kind of read it but i don't know that that mm-hmm. even would even translate to print but no it could because again the janet ivanovich novels i feel like are yeah. this long-running well they won't they story with one of the heroes i think she has other love interests through the series if you're a stephanie plum person let us know because i've read the first handful of those but didn't get any further and there's like a 50 11 billion of them mm. <laughs> okay so uh i want to talk oh, go ahead 
I was going to say, I want to talk a little bit about the knitters because they were quite interesting. So there was the youngest one who was a baker. Yes. Rona. Rona. She was a full-on pastry chef. And Eric said, I don't know that this village of 153 people could sustain a pastry chef. And I think, well, she probably makes the pastries for the whole village. So yeah. And if she's not having to pay rent because old dookie pants is footing the bill, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. that's low overhead. There's Macy who owns the inn and Macy. she uh, once had a thing with Thomas who works at the castle mm-hmm. and now they don't get along but clearly there are still feelings there. There is Angus, who has not spoken. Disorder. <laughs> yeah, he has not spoken since his husband died, and his husband had been in the Knitter's Club, and he joined the Knitter's Club after his husband's death, but does not speak. Uh, quite sad. Uh, and then there's the charming old lady. Helen. Helen. Yeah. Why are you two smiling at each other like that? Did I miss something? No, we're just okay. the cast names off. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. I have IMDb open over here. Okay, cool. Perfect. One of us has to. I have it on my phone, but my phone is, I put it away. Okay. Uh, so what were you going to say before I sidetrack to the knitters? They decide to resurrect this Christmas Eve gala mm-hmm. for morale of the town. And is it also a fundraising thing or no? Is it just like a good old time? I think it's just a good old time. Party. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Helen had told Sophie that the castle was like basically priced the way a Range Rover was. So it's not very much to buy the castle. But it's the farmland and all the other debts that were overwhelming the Duke. Um, While they're planning this party, they also talk about their respective former partners, or maybe this was even earlier. Mm -hmm. She talks about how her husband left her for another woman that who he is now marrying Mm -hmm. on Christmas. And he talks about how that's a really shitty move for all your guests and stuff too. Yeah. Cancel all your family plans. Come to my stupid wedding. Mm -hmm. And he was with someone who left him for someone with a bigger title, which again, I can't remember who fucking said this. It was someone on Twitter was like, the only title higher than Duke is King. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm going to take their word for it. It was Camilla. <laughs> so yeah. So uh she <laughs> left for someone with a bigger title, uh Prince or King. Or is that a euphemism? Uh could um, I don't know. Uh I feel like in the bloopers, didn't she say something about like five days a week that was like implying that she's getting it on yeah. the regs? Yeah. Yes, so did. Uh, I don't know that the ex would have left because there was a deficiency in that department. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it's either someone, either like an actual king or uh, someone richer, mm-hmm. yeah, a richer duke, like a higher duke. Yeah, mm-hmm. a duke of more repute. Repute, mm-hmm. nice. So it's just like party planning and riding horses in the snow and shit, right? 
Yeah, but then they fall into bed together. <laughs> yes. So there was one almost kiss early on. And then she's trying on this dress for the ball. And Hamish steals one of her shoes. And she's mm-hmm. trying to wrestle it out of his little puppy mouth. That little scamp. And he's like, we're playing tug now. And Miles comes out of his room, sees her half in the dress because she hadn't pulled it up. Like the slip is underneath. So the top half, her slip is showing. Oops. Yeah. And he's like, why are you wearing that? She tries to explain. Oh, I thought I found it. I thought that I could wear it unless it belonged to like your mother or grandmother. And he's like, you shouldn't be wearing that. And she's like, why not? And then... They, he's like, I'm gonna take it off you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he eats her face, and they're like, Oh, this is a bad idea. And she's like, Yeah, it's a bad idea, while leading him into his bedroom. And the door closes, and then Hamish looks around, takes the shoe, puts it in his bed that is right across the door from <laughs> Miles's room. And then the next morning, they're having breakfast. They're making eyes. Everyone in the castle knows that they flipped. They can see they're all basking in the postcoital glow. Mm-hmm. Until she says, What are we? <laughs> yeah, she says, What are we? And uh, maybe I was thinking after Christmas, you could stay. And then he responds, I want, I want to hear a man explain what happens. Uh, I don't exactly know, other than he's like, oh, well, thank you for asking me to stay in my own castle. <laughs> he's a guest. Yeah. I think he's just, like, offended. Um, I'm I think- taking my home. <laughs> You're going to make me a guest in my own home. Mm-hmm. He's, like, struggling with uh, the fact that selling his castle means he's giving it up. So I think there's like a, a huge like pride swallowing uh, factor there. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that's what he's upset about. But honestly, throughout this whole movie, I I really struggle to understand why Carrie Ellis is so grumpy and pissed off the whole time. But yeah, I mean, he's about to get what he wanted, which was to stay in his castle and for his subjects. <laughs> to be provided for and uh and he's gonna get the girl and I mean, he's gotta be like all like macho about it i know i think i think now that we're talking it out i think it is just like fragile masculinity you know it's like mm-hmm. not wanting to cede his castle to mm-hmm. uh, a very rich and successful American woman yeah mm-hmm. so uh she says, okay, well, the deal's off. You win. Keep your fucking overpriced deposit. And she goes and she tells the knitters and they are all absolutely heartbroken and uh, sabotage her. She's trying to leave so that yeah. she has to stay one more night. Mm-hmm. And go to the grand ball. Mm-hmm. The whole town's so, going to be there. So the nobody whole town's going to be there. The airport. <laughs> She's not planning on going for obvious reasons until there's a snowball that hits her window and she opens it. And then the second snowball hits her right in the face, which I loved actually. (laughs) And it's Miles come to grovel with two horses and in his full kilted regalia. Mm -hmm. 
to bring her back and she comes down and talks to him and he does the grovel Mm -hmm. and then they go to this ball and she wears the tartan dress that had gotten him all in his pants feelings Mm -hmm. and they have a great dance and predictably he flew out her college-age daughter Lexi who skipped the dad's wedding I love what she says you know what she says I'll catch the next one Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh okay so we're just going like fuck fuck dad fuck dad so uh they have a wonderful time at the ball and she is in Scotland and they are one big happy family Macy and Thomas are back together and then we find out in the after credit scene that she did write the duchess warrior book under the name sophie mcginty Mm -hmm. and she's fully reconnected to not just her roots but who she was outside of her writing career and her marriage and everything that she's built for herself and drew barrymore asked her well are you are you going to be a duchess now Mm -hmm. and he hasn't proposed yet so Mm -hmm. all right i want to wrap this yes with my first naughty list item Mm -hmm. which is the day after the christmas eve ball so christmas morning Mm -hmm. um (laughs) she's hanging out with her daughter in the library around the christmas tree and fucking miles comes out in his robe and (laughs) if i having just gotten (laughs) if i am her daughter lexi i do not want to see my mom's new live-in boyfriend coming out in his robe on christmas morning was the mattress okay (laughs) well you know it's a christmas robe and he probably has royal pajamas underneath them and is just adding an extra layer to make everyone feel comfortable i'm just saying how i would feel i'd be like you can come out fully dressed Hmm. okay yes sure (laughs) it is also his fucking castle not anymore (laughs) (laughs) And he notably gives her a necklace and not a ring. I think that that's a reference to the well. Mm. Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about it. So, Ben, since you're the guest, what's on your nice list? Uh, You know, my favorite thing about this movie, which is probably sort of a problem, is not the central relationship, uh, which I think it should be in a romance. But I I like the sewing circle, the knitters, uh, Mm -hmm. the best. Uh, They were just like a fun group of characters. And I found uh, all the time that she was spending with them was a lot more enjoyable than like Mm -hmm. trying to get Carrie Elwes to not be rude to her. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially, I, I think my you know, I'm, I'm like a sucker for like somebody who doesn't speak, I guess Angus was like the tiny Tim of, of this movie. Instead of saying, God bless us, everyone. He, he had like one line in the movie and it was something like, uh, it's never a mistake to love somebody or something. And I, I felt my eyes stinging a little bit at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the sewings, uh, the knitters were my nice list item. I also love the knitters, especially as a knitter. And I think the most realistic thing in this movie where someone buys a castle and is like, has written 12 books and somehow can like bankroll all all this is like a group of knitters will adopt you very quickly. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's always like, you think of knitters as a bunch of old ladies. And in my experience, groups of knitters are just like, so mixed in ages 
and way more diverse than you would expect. So that to me was the most realistic thing. And my other nice was that she left and she paid all their mortgages. Mm -hmm. She was like, you are set for the rest of your lives. Mm -hmm. And please come visit me. You have changed my life. I love all of you. And that was beautiful because so often the secondary characters in these movies are just for laughs, but it felt like they had their own lives, especially Macy and Angus. It felt like for a character who doesn't speak, I felt like I knew Angus. Mm -hmm. How about you, Meg? Um, well, I mean, I've said some things that I like about it already, but I wanted to say that, did you notice the Easter egg? to the other, the the larger Netflix Christmas cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the the servants from a princess switch, right? Yeah. yeah. Like the, the chief of servant staff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that so, part confused me as someone who hasn't seen all these movies. I was like, okay, so we, I, like I, I assumed that they were going to be the villains of the movie. I, I thought they were going to throw in like one last wrinkle of why Brooke Shields and Carrie Elwes wouldn't end up together, but we never yeah. saw it again. And so maybe- here's what I don't understand about how they did it. She said Donatelli, like that was supposed to mean something to us when <laughs> like, and she said it in that very like significant, like screen chewing way, it would have made more sense if they were making small talk saying like, oh, we, we have a weekend away. We live in Belgravia. <laughs> I feel like that would have rung more bells than the name Donatelli. Yeah, that didn't, that, no, I didn't get anything from that. I mean, I, I did recognize them, but for a second, I was like, do I recognize them from a Christmas prince or yeah, I was the sure switch? Either. Yeah. Oh, I will say another thing that I thought was nice was all the aerial shots and like the scenery of Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's one of the best things about these Netflix movies is that they can just like take four weeks to like shoot on location and it always looks really good. Are we uh, confirmed that it's on location? I mean, if since it you have IMDb open, it was really good if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely was. I- there aren't castles in a lot of parts of the world anymore yeah and it definitely didn't look like a cgi castle no um the majority of filming took place in edinburgh awesome i actually thought that i i enjoyed the acting and the chemistry between Mm -hmm. fields and carrie always and i'm sure he's already caught shit for it but i thought his accent was really good i wouldn't know any different but i'm also a classless american yeah based on my only real experience with the accent being outlander mm-hmm. it was good to me <laughs> yeah what's on your naughty list i mean it's just preposterous like the the premise of the movie is preposterous <laughs> oh i just remembered my thought so okay. brooke shields does a really good enemies to lovers mm-hmm uh, because in Jane the Virgin, and this wasn't a proper enemies to lover, she does a good like enemies with a lot of chemistry. Okay. Because in Jane the Virgin, she plays a rival actress to Rogelio. And mm. at some point he like accidentally burns her eyebrows out off or something. 
and like all this shit happens but basically the chemistry between them even though they hate each other is so sizzling on like a talk show that producers want to see them together playing love interests so they have to navigate this working relationship where they play people who are passionately in love with each other while they cannot fucking stand each other and Mm -hmm. she sells that so well Mm -hmm. and she does that here too so that's a really good niche for her yeah so more natties she's a very she's an author who's recognizable on site has the money to bankroll buying a castle and paying off everyone's mortgages and then just forfeiting the deposit Mm -hmm. um yeah I just like that's a pretty outlandish amount of money. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit crazy. My naughty would be that there wasn't enough explanation of that. Like what I would have liked to see is she wrote these 12 books and there was a wildly successful film franchise and she had some kind of like merchandise rights and like something else explain all this wealth. Right, yeah. What about, How about you, Ben? What I think my main problem with it was I didn't really understand like the conflict. Like there was no, you know, bad guy other than their own pride and I guess lack of communication. And I, I don't know. I just some something like twenty minutes into the movie, I was like, okay, well, what's going to be like the the last hump that they get over? But I, it was really just I guess him coming to her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, making his intentions known and I guess sort of apologizing, but I don't know that just a lack of conflict, I guess, would be my, or at least one that I understood. You wanted an external conflict and not an internal conflict. Yeah, I think I did. Hmm. But I mean, it's, it was a fine movie. Like I said, I enjoyed watching it. Mm -hmm. Would you watch it again? No. um, Probably not. Yeah. I, I also don't tend to rewatch things that I don't absolutely love. Sure. Like if I love something, I will watch it a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You were going to say your grievance or your naughty. Uh, one of my naughties is that, and my husband is the one who pointed this out. He's like, wait, this is right before Christmas. Why are there fucking leaves on the trees in Scotland? <laughs> And then, and then like, it did become like winter overnight where we saw snow, but I feel like the holiday primed me for snow in that part of the country being apocalyptic. Yeah. I mean, it starts like snowing in like September in, in England, in the UK. So. Um, I want to say that that scene, let's see. So yeah, what you just said about the holiday reminded me that I had read that the snow on like Iris's little cottage is actually real, but it was like totally shocking because it never snows there. It's like a rain. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, so maybe that was fine, but I don't know. So do we have any, do you have more naughties or should we move to our proposed alternative, more accurate titles? We can move on to that. I'm just looking to see if there's anything else I wrote down that I wanted to say. Okay, so I will say that, and we talked about this in a previous episode, um, and I'm wondering if Ben has any more to add, but there are a few things that we notice in all of these Christmas movies, like a laptop FaceTime, 
A musical number. A musical number, a dead parent. Mm-hmm. Was there any other trope or cliche that you noticed, Ben? No, but now that you say that, like, I feel like something about FaceTiming and like communicating via phone, which is like the majority of how we do our communication with one another makes for like terrible film. Like, and it doesn't make for good storytelling because it's like someone looking at their phone and like getting news. And so it's kind of interesting how they try and like incorporate that sort of technology into the movie. Like they'll put her daughter's FaceTime up on the screen. So it like, I guess makes you feel like you're, you're FaceTiming it. So uh, I did notice that, and I think it's kind of interesting. I think Euphoria does it too, where like texts come, or an insecure, uh, where like texts come up on the screen, and like you see yeah. you react in real time. So Jane uh, the Virgin did that too, really well. Yeah. So I I would prefer to see that than the FaceTimes. Yeah, FaceTimes were a little weird, I, and I mean there were like some superfluous characters. But uh, what was the other trope? The dance number, mm-hmm. the, obviously the montage. You got to have the montage of mm-hmm. them like playing in the snow or dancing holding hands whatever mm-hmm. um i don't know what other tropes are there she's asking you yeah know. no that's that's a lot of them okay so do you guys have alternate titles i don't meg has a good one but i was Tell also me, meg. leaves when she told me that i was going to be doing this so. <laughs> mine is karen takes scotland <laughs> wow you think she's a Karen is she not well I did at one point call her an entitled rich bitch so (laughs) I mean she's throwing her money around she's like you know and at one point she's like fully prepared to just fuck off back to the United States and like devastate her knitting friends who you know she's grown to love supposedly the past three months so but she's heartbroken and she can't stay in that castle with that man anymore. Yeah, till 12 hours pass and he throws a snowball at her face. <laughs> yeah. Which is a time-honored courting gesture. Right, right. <laughs> um, I went like romance novel title with this one. The only thing I could think of was besting the Duke. Mm, oh. That's good. Mm-hmm. Or betting the Duke betting with like, like d's D-D-D. yeah <laughs> yeah i could see that too but i wanted to bring in the competitive element mm-hmm. yeah oh, okay. and show that they were kind of at odds with each other yeah i have a question is uh i don't remember the sex scenes being too terribly spicy uh is that pretty typical of these it's closed door i feel like this is the only sex scene that we've seen even implied in one of these movies oh really okay yeah they don't normally go that they're they're more on the wholesome side Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. ends with a kiss instead of ripping each other's (laughs) full penetration (laughs) yeah so uh yeah that's uh it was pretty racy for one of these Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess. Did I you see the robe? <laughs> I did see the robe. I saw the postcodal bliss all over Carrie Elvis's face. <laughs> Should have toned that down. Sequel potential? I would. I mean, I would watch a sequel. I watched this one. So here's the thing A Christmas Prince is done. I think that they milked that for all that it was worth and probably all that Rose McIver was willing to. Uh, yeah. Saigon for. Mm-hmm. 
And Princess Switch 3, I cannot imagine that they will continue that franchise. Nor Clearly, Vanessa Hudgens has a chokehold on Netflix, so maybe she will continue to appear in projects, but not this one. Mm-hmm. So there does need to be a successor, uh, a franchise on Netflix that people keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. So which one is it? Because the other ones that we've recapped are not necessarily in the Netflix Christmas cinematic universe. Love Hard doesn't necessarily exist in the same universe, neither the single all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they the ones that they seem to latch on to for an ongoing series have sort of like a fantastical element or royal element to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably have that I don't know because I don't know what the spinoff would be for this one though mm-hmm. like who who would it feature on Maybe one of the knitters I don't know but they're too normal like they like yeah. to be royal adjacent well them. maybe well. someone finds out that they are actually distantly related to some other duke mm-hmm. okay and comes into some money maybe mm-hmm. um but yeah you think- I don't know you think there needs to be a series you don't you don't like just having like one-offs like single all the way that are like kind of unique takes on coming home for Christmas movies at least in our oh no I love it I just know that Netflix likes money and it feels like they're gonna need to they're gonna want to beat this into the ground as much as they can Mm. yeah and with the trilogies wrapping up it makes me feel like there's got to be something else that mm-hmm. yeah I guess I was thinking of it from like a storytelling perspective not like a you should never think of Netflix it that way. yeah because <laughs> they don't right mm-hmm. perhaps a sequel could be still the two of them with some other catastrophe that befalls the castle someone else's claim on it or yeah, his like arch nemesis, uh, the other, the evil duke comes into town and they have to, I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe um, picks up with Lexi and Lexi oh, gets a royal suitor. Okay. Mm-hmm. That could be. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah. All right, Ben, do you have anything to plug? I got nothing to plug. I I just uh, I was gonna say I I just recently listened to the Andy J. Christopher episode and really really enjoyed it. Uh, and what I like about Make Out already is that you are not afraid to stick to your roots. Like you haven't gone Hollywood. Uh, you could still have you still have Mr. Meg on, uh, and it doesn't have to be uh, a renowned author with thousands of followers uh across all platforms so just respect to you guys for keeping it real i think that if someone offered us the opportunity to sell out we probably would yeah yeah Uh, i mean i have thanks for having me (laughs) i have often said that i want the casper mattress money yeah i feel like we are the perfect like we've got a built-in narrative to promote this product so no yeah it is wonderful to have you on ben and i really appreciate how much you support the podcast and how you're always in our comment section and uh the times that you've been here now twice you take it seriously and i really appreciate that well it is much appreciated what what you guys do i'm always willing to be the uh the team mom in your in your all's (laughs) comments (laughs) 
have on Instagram that we're really active on. It's at makeoutalreadypod. We're also makeoutalreadypod.com. You can find our other socials in the show notes and our merch, which is awesome and comfy and well-designed by our resident teen romance correspondent, Molly. So until next time, air kisses. Mwah. Mwah.